0: It's Tuesday, December 26th, 2017, and this is The Defender Podcast. I'm Rick Morton, sitting in for Herbie Newell. As 2017 comes to a close, and as we open up 2018, we want to take you back to review some of our favorite moments from the first year of The Defender Podcast. As a ministry, Lifeline is dedicated to manifesting the gospel through caring for vulnerable children and families. Today, we're going to be going back to August 8th, 2017, when Herbie opened up the book of Zephaniah to show how orphan care and the gospel go together and can be seen even from the minor prophets. Herbie will be back on Monday, January 8th, with an all-new episode. But until then, we hope you enjoy this best-of episode. Here's our host, Herbie Newell. I just want to take you through a passage that I have just come to truly, dearly love. It's it's a passage that may be a little bit uh, more nondescript to some, Uh, And it's found in Zephaniah chapter three. And so uh, I just I want to lead us uh, through this in the next three days so that we don't miss that the reason that God commands his people to care for the least of these is because the chief aim of our care for orphans should be to proclaim the glory and gospel of Christ. And so I just want to make sure that as we talk about defending the fatherless, that we realize this is not a, a social gospel or social justice mission, but this is a gospel mission. This is to proclaim the glory and the gospel of Christ. And so, I want us to, to see the gospel plainly set out by Zephaniah. I, I want us to see how the gospel cries out for meek followers who humble themselves, realize their own condition of sin, and trust no longer in themselves, but in the hope of the nations, Christ Jesus. I, I want us to see this today that that because adoption and caring for orphans is a picture of the redemption we receive through the gospel. You see, Sin is crushing and defeating. We've, we've been born into a life of sin, self-gratification, self-exaltation, and self-idolatry. And to see the gospel is to realize that the rightful king of the world stooped down to become like us. He came to the humble town of Bethlehem on an ordinary and nondescript night in order to make a world marked by sin and death a world that would be redeemed. Jesus, he, he comes as a baby, which which may even seem insignificant, but being God, he could have come as a full grown man. He, he could have come in splendor and majesty. He could have come at Passover or, or at a prescribed feast, but instead he comes very meekly and through his ministry, he calls out for the meek. And then he commands his followers to love the outcast, to love the orphan, to love the widow and the stranger, and to care for them. And, and beloved, that's the ministry that we've been called to, to defend the fatherless, a ministry of manifesting the gospel to the stranger, the outcast, the alien, in, in hopes that a vision of seeing the gospel to all peoples, all tribes, all tongues, all languages, all nations would be realized. And so this leads us to the gospel as it's found in in Zephaniah chapter three. And so today I, I just want us to look at verses one through eight. And this is what Zephaniah, the minor prophet says, starting in verse one of Zephaniah chapter three. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust In the Lord, she does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing until the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests, the religious, they profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord Yahweh is within her and is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning, he shows forth his justice. Each dawn, he does not fail, but the unjust, they know no shame. Oh, beloved, is that not our country today? Then verse six, I've, I've cut off the nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I've laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man and without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept my correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more, all the more they were eager to make all of their deeds corrupt. Verse eight, therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation and all my burning anger. For in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. And, and so in these verses, we, we see the wickedness and the sinfulness of men, along with the just response of God to vindicate his great name. We, we hear what God says, right? The city's described now as defiled and oppressing. It, it's become polluted through sins of idolatry and covenant breaking. <laughs> Rather than, than showing care, the cities become brutal and overbearing. Leaders, right? Oh, like morning wolves. Instead of guarding their flock, instead of leading their flock, instead of shepherding their flock, right? What does Zephaniah say? Leaders are 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 coming in and and are devouring their flock. Oh, what what does that look like as we look around our country and our world? As as leaders are are constantly led to corruption. We, we can no longer cr- trust the morality of our leaders. Our, our leaders are bent more for themselves and self-gratification than for humbly serving those they're called to lead. But, but even this passage says it's not just the political leaders, it's not just the city leaders, but it's also the religious officials. They're also condemned. It, 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 this includes the priest, Right. those who, who went to to God for the people, as well as the prophets, those who were supposed to be God's mouthpiece for the people. Right? Rather than being speakers of God's sure, pure truth and word, they were speaking their own fickle words and, and they were speaking their own language. They were they were saying the things that would tickle their own ears. You look around at so many of our churches and we have just devoured this concept of being a cultural Christian. Our, our beliefs, right, intersect us on Sundays, but they don't carry forth with us on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday. And then the prosperity gospel, which what teaches us that we can have our best life now. And, and when we look through scripture, there's never a time that God says you can have your best life. Now, as a matter of fact, you look at the apostle Paul and he's a man that says, for me to live, it's Christ and to die is great gain, right? For me to, for me to be caught up with Christ is better than to be caught in this fickle body. That's the apostle Paul saying, it's not my best life now, right? But this is a, a, a life to be lived for with Christ. Even, even Jesus's own words, right? Matthew. 10 ten twenty eight, he says do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell today our religious leaders are too concerned with what will be said about them as opposed to what will be said by God about them we're too concerned with what people will say as opposed to what God will say And so this is what God says in this passage. He calls the city to fear. He calls the city to respectful awe at his power. His justice is going to avenge the the pollution of sin. God will no longer be mocked. God will have his day. Verse seven, surely you will fear me. I'm going to cut off your dwelling. God is calling the city to say, there will be retribution for the way that you have treated my holy name. In America, this could be for us. This this message is for us. If we continue to deride the Lord, if we continue to shake our fingers in his face and mock him, he will judge us for our acts. And this, beloved, this is the stage that Zephaniah sets for for the scene on which Jesus would come. A world that that is sickened by sin and its effects, a world longing and needing a savior. And so to talk about defending orphans, it's it's this stage that's the reason that we even have orphans. It's because of sin. Right? It's, it's sin that brings broken families. It's, it's because of sin that we have outcast. It's our rebellious sin which ushered in a society where children would be neglected, abandoned, lost, killed. And, and even as we've looked in the last couple of weeks at the news in the United Kingdom with a little boy, a little baby named Charlie Gard, whose life was not even considered worthy of medical procedures. <laughs> it's into this world it's into the sin sickened stage that we realize orphans are where they are because we've lost our fear of God we've, we've instead of fearing God we gratify ourselves. We, we seek our own interests. We put ourselves at the center. And it's this stage. And it's for this reason that we have orphans and vulnerable children. And so tomorrow, I want us to, to begin to see the good news of the gospel in this scene. And so... Thanks for listening today to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the followers. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.